Hello, everybody, and welcome to our next podcast for the Future of Insurance series with our ecosystem partners. I am thrilled today to have Neil Silbert uh, from Data Robot as a part of this podcast. Neil, Neil welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Denise. I'm very glad to be here. So, so Neil, why don't you give a little background on yourself and Data Robot? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, uh, my role is uh, general manager of insurance. I, I handle our worldwide insurance business at Data Robot. I've been in the industry for just shy of 30 years and have had an opportunity to grow up with everything from the transition to the mainframe, adoption of new policy administration systems and graphical user interfaces to the birth of data warehouses and eventually the use of advanced analytics, bringing it back to um, policy administration and claim systems and all the cool things that are happening. Uh, so for me, uh, having spent about 20 years in advanced analytics, it's uh, a, a great opportunity to be working uh, as part of the Data Robot team. Um, it's a phenomenal company. Data Robot started in uh, 2012 uh, by former um, uh, data science researchers and leaders um, at a large uh, East Coast uh, uh, insurer. And they brought a ton of industry expertise and embedded a lot of great capabilities that are insurance-specific in the product. Uh, most importantly, they invented the product category of automated machine learning, which really takes a lot of the, the hard drudgery out of data science and allows us to build models 10 to 15 times faster and answer more questions and really have a better one, better experience doing analysis, two, shorter time between asking a question and getting an answer, and three, being able to deploy it directly into a system that has some kind of business impact, like a policy administration system from a JASCO or a claim system. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's really interesting. We both have had uh, similar types of careers, you know, being in the industry for such a long time, Neil, and I think one of the things that I got really excited about about our partnership with Data Robot is the understanding that data is so crucial uh, for our industry and the whole concept of um, AI and machine learning and the access to data scientists, people who may not necessarily have been inside the insurance industry, but they may come from other industries and bring a outside in perspective and bring a whole different uh, view of dimension of, of this data to the table. I think what you guys have done is really provide access to data scientists for insurers of any size uh, to be able to really leverage that type of technology and integrate it into their uh, business in a, in a much more effective way because we all know that those data scientists are few and far to, um, because they're important in all industries now. So as you kind of think about that, um, how is machine learning and AI changing insurance and the data scientists with a diverse background that you guys have, um, how are you changing that for your customers? Well, I, I think that's a great question. Right now we're in a situation where there's a tremendous scarcity of data scientists. Um, unlike say learning a very specific technical skill like I know C++, I can take some courses and come up to speed in a few months in Java or um, a very, very narrow application. Data science is a broad field. And it actually takes a while to create new data scientists. Uh, the industry has had to do things like reach out to academia 
um, other industries, other areas, other functions like quantitative marketing, try to pull um, these very quantitative uh, research specialists in. And it's been challenging. Insurance is a very regulated industry. Some of the types of analysis that one might want to do, you can't always do in insurance. So it's been hard. What Data Robot does, because we have all this automation, we also provide guide rails. And it allows people who might be quantitative, like actuaries or, or business analysts or IT members, um, and they can actually start building their own predictive models with the guidance of Data Robot that are both accurate and, and function well. So that allows them not to have to go back to school and get another degree and actually can be immediately productive building models. And then most importantly, you have to do something with that model. It has to plug into something. So taking those models and we actually export them and create interfaces, they can be very easily integrated into another system. You know, I love that that term guide rails because it really provides almost like a roadmap for people to begin to walk before they can run and really kind of um, use their own their own staff and and really guide them in that process. So what a great term to use, uh, Neil. Oh, thank you. And I, I, I think that it's just the way we consider the flexibility of a product. We even have some cl uh, clients that have no data scientists at all and they they have uh, actuaries and and uh, quantitative underwriters, and they're coming up to speed and making great, great decisions. What, um, yeah. I like, what I like about our partnership is the ability to embed these predictions directly into a business process. So for example, one of the first things that we did together is we wanted to see what's the best way to integrate a prediction from Data Robot into Majesco so that it could help improve something. So the first thing we did is we created an app, um, a, a predictive model that was deployed as an app uh, directly into the Majesco environment, which is really nicely architected so that we could actually deploy the prediction very quickly. Yeah. And um, a customer comes in, they've got the data there, and there's a new tab available that actually then um, shows the output of a model. The model looks at the data that was entered to the customer, and it actually predicts the likeliness of a claim during the first policy year. So that's a very important piece of information to know. If this is a potentially severe claim, for example, um, they might not be a customer that you want to write at a normal level of risk. They might represent a higher level of risk. Um, it's different information than you would get from a traditional pricing model because it shows how likely in the upcoming year are they going to have a significant loss. Uh, and being able to see it directly while you're quoting the customer is a very valuable thing. Yeah. So, you know, um, bringing um, these, um, these predictive models and what Data Robot does from a machine learning standpoint into these apps that we can embed into different processes within uh, the Majesco core systems, whether it's policy, billing, or claims, really is quite different and quite innovative, um, kind of like the Apple Store, you know, where you can kind of pull in different apps depending upon the process that you're going through, or maybe it's the type of... Um, uh, product or business line that they're trying to underwrite. Um, talk about how you see that as a real value um, for you guys to be able to deliver more of that into the marketplace and the value for customers that we have jointly together to leverage that um, much more effectively. Talk about you know, your views on that. Well, you know, this is, this is incredibly exciting for me. Um, traditionally, it was very hard to make a model for one customer 
that could be reused or, or leveraged by another. Um, often the way they stored their information and their data was completely different. The systems that the model would run on would be completely different. And you basically had to start from scratch to go from, uh, to go from uh, customer to customer, model to model. The difference here is that Majesco has established is you're a platform, you're a billing platform, a policy admin, you're a claims platform. And the customers have a consistent underlying data structure and architecture to store and manage your data. So when we build an initial model, it knows what data is available, how it's structured and formatted, and how it can be used. And that initial model doesn't have to deal with data that doesn't exist, that's stored in 10 different ways, and it's reusable. And that becomes the app. So we build it once, and then all we do is we refresh and optimize it for each company that wants to use it. But we don't have to start from scratch. And then you can plug that in and use it within the Majesco system wherever it's appropriate. Yeah, you uh, create once and use multiple times. It's a great, it's a, it's a great um, uh, concept. You know, one of the aspects about this is really about the data. And as you and I both know, data has been one of the most crucial things uh, for insurance. And in the digital age, it's even more important because we've got all new types of uh, uh, types of data, new sources of data. Um, and with that, um, it's really challenging insurers to rethink um, what new sources of data can they use to be able to use in an underwriting process um, or possibly in a claims, uh, claims process. And um, it's almost thinking outside the box, um, particularly for some of these new types of products, like say for example, some on-demand types of products. What are you seeing um, you know, with regard to exploring new sources of data that's pretty innovative uh, that you can share um, you know, that isn't necessarily all the old static data that is more historical in nature, but maybe more um, innovative uh, that we can use that can cut down the underwriting uh, uh, process, or for example, it could be used to actually um, um, uh, do what I call continuous underwriting, you know, because we're looking at real-time data that will require more of a continuous underwriting basis. Well, that, that's a great question. I think that there's there's different and numerous sources depending on your line of business or product focus. Um, uh, but the heart of the concept of dynamic pricing, for example, is let's not just put someone in a pricing bracket or bucket and charge them average price. Let's learn, let's buy and acquire or create external data and use that data to differentiate them. Um, it's very common uh, when we decile and bucket our risks that any one customer might be 30% less loss or 30% more loss than the average in that bucket. Why are we charging everyone the same price? Shouldn't we let the lower risk get a lower price and maybe charge a higher risk because they should pay for their losses for the more risky customer? In terms of data, I think that we've got some really, really exciting new sources. Um, we have lifestyle and behavioral data that's available for personal insurance products. Uh, there, there are sources where they'll give you thousands of fields. That's very, very helpful. That can be especially helpful in life insurance. It could be in a proxy for um, information in regard to level and measure of health. Maybe you don't need to send someone to a doctor's uh, office or do they don't have to take lab tests. There's system level data that's coming. Um, we're seeing um, more and more um, home insurers start looking at 
placing water leak detection systems and other systems in people's home to judge the safety. Uh, one insurer had shared with me that more than half of their homeowners claims were related to water leak inside their premise. Uh, they felt that if they had, wow. yeah, more than half. And they felt that if they had um, leak detectors at key spaces, they would have a significant reduction in water damage claims. One of the most interesting things is they found is that the people who are most interested in doing this, even if they didn't use a sensor, were extremely cautious and careful and created basically a new class of risk, a very ultra low risk class. So the people like to do all this home automation stuff are probably some of the safest risks to ensure. Uh, telematics data in vehicles telling us where you travel from, maybe your routes are more risky or less risky, especially in certain times of year. I mean, think of the temporal nature. Uh, machinery data, um, we're seeing um, companies like <clears throat> Hartford Steam Boiler innovating and even producing and selling their own sensors. All of these sensors could be monitoring machinery and operations at, at a company and giving a continuous flow of data that can really help understand not just what companies say they do or their history, but how they behave right now. The same thing with driving. So a lot of data is available that's really helping us rethink what's happening. I think there's a general shift though from historical data to behavioral data, demographic data to behavioral data. And a lot of that's gonna be machine generated. Yeah, you know, and I think that it really gets down to, I was talking to, uh, a futurist uh, recently, and it really gets down to the concept of instead of a one-size-fits-all, it really gets down to personalization of your product and of the of the protection product that you're selling to somebody that it's based on them and it's based upon their behaviors rather than a one-size-fits-all. I, I would I would think so. Personalization is very important. I think that when we look at large commercial risks there are dedicated transactional actuaries that are actually taking that customer's history of loss and they're making a custom price based just on their needs. So why not use technology to bring that down and make it more personal and more custom uh, and more custom this way we don't pay for what we don't use and we pay for what we need. Yep. So as, as, as you guys uh, continue to work with a number of different um, insurance carriers um, and you're involved in um, working with us, where do you see the evolution of um, artificial intelligence and machine learning as it relates to the future of insurance? What do you think the possibilities are kind of, you know, five years out there? Hmm. Uh, well, what I see is a, um, uh, the continuing shift like we talked about earlier to more behavioral data. Um, I, I see that we will no longer be solely dependent on an individual or key predictor like a credit score. I think that we'll find information like that, although important, can be eclipsed by a lot of other data. I think we're going to see much more sophisticated context understanding. Like, what does it mean if someone's store has a risk? They, they measure for general liability, they measure exposures to square footage, right? How much square footage do you have in your parking lot? How much square footage do you have in your store? But what would happen if we could start understanding the amount of foot traffic in that area? What would happen if we started pinpointing, looking at the amount of rainfall or the frequency of that rain turning into ice? 
I think there'll be a lot more contextual decision-making based on combining very many data sources to give a better picture. And that will include aspects of motion and temporal change in time. Um, products will continue to be increasingly more customized. I think we'll be able to do that more easily. I think there will be a certain pressure to create more coverage options as well. So I think the ability to manage adding different coverage options and make good suggestions across those will be very important. I think that all of that sensor data will eventually start flowing back to the insurance companies. Insurers are gonna to have to be able to capture it and make sense of it. And there's gonna be some really good fundamental questions. Like right now, the world trusts insurance companies. They share with them very private things about what they care about that's insured and also what happened when they have losses. Um, what's going to happen when you have all this immense amount of sensor data um, and other form of rich information about your company and its activities? I'm hoping that insurance companies still have that level of trust with their customers and their customers can give them that rich data. So insurance companies can give two things. One, estimated level of risk, but two, also some kind of additional recommendations to the customer on how they can improve safety. Uh, I, I think that, that we may see more conversation about improvement of safety happening as well. Um, all of this evolution with new sources of information, it can go one of two ways. It can be a passive discount, like you, do you have an alarm system or not? Or it can be an interactive relationship. Um, we're your insurance company, we're aware that a storm is coming, we suggest that you take these actions within the next hours because of the sudden development. It, it really does have a change in relationship. It's not, no, I'll, I'll talk to you next time we have to renew your policy. Yeah, it really gets to the uh, possibility of that whole concept of uh, risk avoidance and risk mitigation that it can really lead into new services that provide you a different level of customer engagement and customer value that enhances the overall relationship beyond just the protection aspect. Absolutely. And, and I think that mitigation is a very, very powerful thing. Um, everyone is much happier when things don't get broken. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So um, if you could pick um, one word to describe the future of insurance, what would that be? Integration. I, I see. Talk about that. Uh, well, at its core, insurance is risk transfer and protection from risk um, or protection from threat. I see that historically, insurance has been a highly non-integrated product. You would buy, um, and, and the, for the average person especially, you would buy it. If there was a claim, you'd send something in. You'd get maybe some money back if your claim were approved. Then you'd get a bill, and then you'd renew your product. If you're small business, not very different. As you became a larger and larger business, there are some insurance companies that do an excellent job like FM Global, where their safety and risk engineering will spend a significant investment spending time with a, uh, with a company and making very specific recommendations and maybe even insisting that they be followed through on, uh, on how to improve safety. As we evolve and move forward, um, the ability to monitor, measure, and assess risk is going to increase dramatically. So the ability for an insurance company to be a much closer partner and follow what's happening with their companies, their clients, whether they're individuals or businesses, and then communicate them on a much more regular basis allows us to integrate this, this um, 
risk management aspect much more closely into our daily lives and daily business operations. And I think that that will be one of the biggest challenges that we have. How do we provide the infrastructure and the analytic capabilities to make it work? It's really going to be an exciting time. And um, we're so um, excited about our partnership, Neil, and the possibilities that together we can bring to um, insurers of all sizes to really kind of transform their business and really take hold of, the of their future uh, through data and analytics, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and not be inhibited because they're a small insurer and they don't have access to data scientists. It's really an exciting time. Absolutely. I, I think that Majesco is the wellspring of core insurance information. Uh, it's captured, maintained, improved. The biggest challenge in analytics is getting rapid access to that information and then merging it and comparing it with other sources of information. But you're, what you're insuring, who you're insuring, what their losses are, all the external information means nothing without that content. And having the immediate and rapid integration that we have and the ability to add these apps really poses a great opportunity to start making uh, better decisions and getting better insights to run your company. So I'm very excited about where we're going. I'm excited about the next big steps. And I'm excited about having more apps between us uh, that customers can buy. I am too, and I'm looking uh, looking for um, sharing those results of what it's what it's really doing for some of our joint customers. It's going to be an exciting time. So thanks for your time today, Neil, and um, we'll look forward to a future conversation. All right, thank you very much, Denise. It's been a pleasure.